the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. And a good morning to you. Thank you so much for joining us on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. It's nine minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Friday edition, the 14th morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord, 2023. It's a free-for-all Friday! (laughs) Oh, yes, indeed it is. It also happens to be the uh, anniversary, 20 years now, since the birth of my second child and my only son. Uh, I want to say happy 20th to an incredibly fine young man, Jarrett France. I love you very much, son. Uh, Have a wonderful day today. Uh, you deserve it. And uh, 20 years of being outstanding with only the best yet to come. So happy birthday to my son. We've got a very important show lined up for th- uh, for you this morning. Coming up uh, in about an hour, at the top of the next hour, we're going to talk about uh, uh, the transing of America. Miriam Grossman is all over the ongoing attempt. You, you didn't think that it was going to end when the month of groom ended, right? J- June came and went, but the agenda continues 
and that is the transing of America and, uh, quite frankly, sadly, a lot of horrific regret from those who have gone through it. And Miriam Grossman is going to talk to us about that coming up at 1010. Uh, at 11.10, we're going to talk with Leslie Manukian. Leslie is working hard on the, um, on the COVID issues. You didn't think the COVID issues were over, did you? Uh, if you did, you're not paying very close attention. Uh, the vaccines still exist, and there are still a chance, uh, there is still a chance, I should say, of requirement on an annual basis, depending on job title, depending on where you work, for whom you work, in the government, etc., of annual boosters. Um, meanwhile, we're finding out that a whole bunch of people flat out died. Some of the adverse events from vaccines, the untested vaccines that warp sped their way to your arms from Pfizer and Moderna labs. Yeah, uh, some of the adverse events were minor. Some of them were major. Some of them were lethal, quite frankly. And Leslie Manukian, excuse me, is the uh, president and founder of the Health Freedom Defense Fund. It's a nonprofit that seeks uh, to rectify health injustice. And uh, they have found that, yes, and the CDC has essentially admitted as well to certain things, uh, including not including diagnostic codes showing COVID vax as the cause of death on some certificates. So anyway, I'll explain that in much more depth when she joins us, which will be uh, coming up uh, this morning at 1110. So I do have uh, Miriam Grossman at 1010, Leslie Manukian at 1110, and you, whenever you're ready, at 216-901-0945, I wish I had an opportunity to talk to J.D. Vance this morning. We talked to him actually back on Monday. I would love to get him back on. I can't because his schedule is too tight to be able to do that twice in one week with us, but we're going to talk about something that he said that has been misrepresented in the battle that we are currently engaged in right now over issue one. Um, I literally, before we came onto the program, was texting one of J.D. Vance's communications team to see if they are going to demand a retraction or a correction of his stance on issue one. I'll explain all of that right after we pledge allegiance to our flag. Patriots, go ahead and stand and face your flag if you have one. Put your hand on your heart. If you're driving, just do the hand part. You cannot stand. Uh, it's t- I tried it. It's really hard to stand and drive at the same time. Anyway, uh, if you are a believer in taking away the uh, constitutional rights of the people, if you are a believer in taking away our rights to uphold our founding document and to change it and amend it only, or excuse me, on the other side, uh, but if you feel like it can be, should be changed and amended and should be malleable and not be uh, protected through issue one, well, then you probably have no respect for the American process of amendments to the national constitution either, do you? As such, you don't Respect that flag, nor the republic that it represents. So you are exempt from the request to stand and pledge allegiance to it. Go ahead and take a knee over there next to that unemployed quarterback. You'll be more comfortable. For the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice. So my friend Charlie, uh, the politically incorrect mechanic, um, sent me a text message that I really only got to to, uh, look at closely this morning. It came in last night. And uh, he's frustrated, and I think rightfully so. Charlie's message said, I just can't, uh, even with this, 
Did you see this text ad from Vance? It's worded completely backwards, then links to this website. More damn confusion. He's right. He sent me the link to the article, but not the text, and now I have the text as well. It is extremely misleading. It's a link to an article in the Buckeye Reporter. Now, I I literally don't know what the Buckeye Reporter is. It's not a media outlet that I've been terribly familiar with or had uh, experiences with, so I'm not going to sit here and call it, you know, like a left-wing rag like the Ohio Capital Journal, but I'm not going to call it a responsible reporting outlet like the Ohio Press Network. I, I don't know much about the Buckeye Reporter. But I do know that this headline is exactly what Charlie, the politically incorrect mechanic, said. It's confusing. Um, and there is enough confusion over issue one um, already that we don't need more, and this is very confusing. The headline is Vance, colon, Radical activists want to change the Ohio Constitution and strip away parental rights on August 8th. End quote. Now, if you don't know anything at all about the issue on August 8th, issue one, And the actual election, as I say, is August 8th, but early voting is going on right now. And, of course, we encourage everybody to take advantage of that and vote yes on issue one uh, early. But if you don't know anything about what this issue is, if you're just kind of like a casual observer of the news, you don't follow it, you don't live it, breathe it, you're not engaged in this, if you were to just see, oh, it looks like Senator Vance uh, opposes uh, the ballot ballot item on issue 8, Radical activists want to change the Ohio Constitution and strip away parental rights. Well, I don't want to have my parental rights stripped away. I'm against that. That's how that reads. That's how that looks. That's how that sounds. It sounds as though the senator, a Republican, is opposed to issue one. He's not. You have to read in the article to get any clarity. And this is very, very, very problematic. It's difficult for a lot of people to understand this as it is, to have this backwards language, but that's what this is. The Buckeye Reporter's headline says, Vance, radical activists want to change the Ohio Constitution and strip away parental rights on August 8th. No, not true. It's the November ballot initiative that would strip away parental rights. That's the one we have to oppose. This is completely bastardizing J.D. Vance's position. It's, it's incorrect. It's inaccurate. At, at best, it's unclear and confusing. At worst, it's intentionally inaccurate. I just don't know what the intention was of the Buckeye reporter. So literally, right before we came on the air, I was doing two things. I was messaging J.D. Vance's uh, team, his communications team, and I was trying to get a t- to an email out to uh, the Buckeye reporter to say this needs to be fixed. The first two paragraphs of the article itself provide some clarity, but even there, it's a little bit, it's a little bit muddy. I'm going to quote for you now. This is the article in the Buckeye Reporter. And by the way, this this article is a good two weeks old. This is from uh, June 29th. Just became aware of it. U.S. Senator J.D. Vance stars in a new digital ad endorsing an August 8th ballot initiative that would make it harder to change the Ohio Constitution. So far, so good. And then a quote. 
Radical activists want to change the Ohio Constitution and strip away parental rights on August 8th, Vance said in a new video posted on the Protect Our Kids Ohio YouTube page. Let's stop them. Vote yes to protect our kids. End quote. So that's the part that's missing from the headline. The the headline needs to be Vance supports issue one on August 8th. Vote yes to protect Ohio kids. Instead, it uses the first part of what he said without completing the thought. And that makes it look like he's opposed to uh, to issue one. This is very confusing. It is very difficult for people to process because of the misleading ads from the left. The misleading ads from the left are already doing a very good job of making people who would, if they understood the doggone thing, support issue one in August and then oppose the ballot initiative that would enshrine abortion and 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 the transing of children without parental input in November. Um, it's confusing enough already without this kind of language. And quite frankly, I think the senator needs to maybe be a little bit more clear about this too. Now, to to really bring it home here, I had somebody ask me this morning. Um, do you have? Let me quote it here. Hold on a second. Um, Someone uh, someone sent this to me and said, um, I have several friends that are concerned about issue one. Um, do you have a concise response to those who say that the law of unintended consequences could come back and bite us? And my response was, no, I don't have a concise response. It's a very deep response. It's a very complex response because it's a very complex issue because of what they have done. It is already complex and complicated and confusing, all of those things, uh, as it is. We, we need to be much more clear in our language to, to explain why we have to vote yes on issue one on August 8th. And so what I also said to this person in response is, if you have any doubt about where your vote should go on August 8th, at, and, you, and you don't understand the complexities of the issue, which of which there are many, sometimes it's best just to judge based on who supports the other side. And this Buckeye Reporter article in which J.D. Vance is quoted and with the headline, which is incomplete, might make it appear as though he is saying he opposes issue one, which he does not. Included in that article is a list of the opponents, some of the opponents of uh, issue one. Those who want you to vote no include, according to the Buckeye Reporter, a roster of left-leaning advocacy groups such as Black Lives Matter Cleveland, Black Lives Matter Dayton. So there you go. If you don't want to be on the side of a racist domestic terrorist organization that has been grifting millions upon millions of dollars under the uh you know with the uh, under the uh, illusion of trying to help African Americans. Uh there you go. Uh these groups include also Pro Choice Ohio, Blackout and Proud the Cleveland Buy Plus Network, Columbus New Liberals, Democratic Socialists of America, Cleveland, Ensuring Parole for Our Incarcerated Citizens, New Voices for Reproductive Justice, and the Ohio Federation of Teachers. That's a nice group to belong to, Ohio Federation of Teachers. It is also 
opposed, issue one, by, and this is the, the granddaddy here, the Communist Party of Ohio. Did you know there was a Communist Party of Ohio? You knew about Communist Party USA, right? Yeah, well, there's a Communist Party chapter in Ohio. It is opposed to issue one as well. The Communist Party of Ohio, by the way, recently, as pointed out in the Buckeye Reporter, recently gathered to stand with drag queens and families during a protest outside Drag Story Hour uh, at the uh, near West Side Theater in Cleveland. Additionally, there's a group I didn't know about um, called Red Wine and Blue, described as a Shaker Heights-based group of suburban wine moms that's fighting to keep pornographic books in Ohio K-12 through school libraries. <laughs> and they have launched into offensive. These are the individuals who say no on issue one. So if you are confused, if it is complicated, if you just don't quite get it, what do I do? Am I supposed to vote no or yes on this thing because of misleading headlines and maybe muddy statements by, by important people? If you just don't know, Vote against the people that I just told you about. If you don't want socialism in Ohio and America, if you don't want communism in Ohio and America, if you don't want racist grifter groups uh, running the show, if you don't want to side with pro-choice Ohio and and, and all of these other radical uh, grooming organizations uh, to, to try to trans your kids, if you don't want to side with them, then you vote yes on issue one. I'm, I hate to. I hate to just be. Well, we can't say what you're voting for. We just know who we're voting against. But if it takes that to provide clarity, then use it. All right. The communists, the socialists, the racists, the abortionists, and the transists all oppose issue one, which means you should be supporting and voting for issue one. If that's what it takes, then that's what it takes. So Senator Vance's headline here in the Buckeye Reporter does not tell the whole story. It makes it look like he's saying vote no on issue one. He is not. He literally says, quote, vote yes to protect our kids. But the situation is muddy. It needs to be clarified. And hopefully that will happen sooner rather than later. It's 925. I welcome your thoughts. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Always right radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Keeping you informed among the uninformed. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. Okay, it is uh, 935. Appreciate you being with us. So I just got off the phone with uh, the uh, uh, communications team with Senator Vance, asking them to issue a direct and clear, clarifying statement about uh, Issue 1. It is complex, as I said before, and I really don't mean to keep beating this drum, but um, understand that if you oppose the stripping of parental rights, if you oppose putting abortion in the Constitution, if you oppose letting children transition and change their sex without their parents' authority or approval, if you oppose those things, you have to vote yes on August 8th to help raise the threshold to stop those things from happening in November. That's where the the confusion reigns. I just told a member of uh, Senator Vance's communications team uh, 
a reminder uh, uh, for you, because you may have heard it already. Earlier this week, I had a call from somebody, a good caller. can't remember who it was, but a good caller who spent two minutes talking about all the reasons why we have to vote to raise the constitutional threshold to for an amendment to, to 60%. So it's completely in support of Issue 1 and is opposed to what they're trying to push through on the ballot initiative in November. Got it all right until the end of his call when he said, so we really have to get out there and vote against this. And I said, whoa, see, there, there's, therein lies the problem. If we are against the radicalism of what they are planning in November, we have to vote for issue one to make it more difficult for that radical ballot initiative to pass. So people, he, he meant to say we have to vote against it by voting for issue one, but he didn't say that. And neither, you know, Senator Vance did, but they didn't put it in the headline. Senator Vance, you know, kind of clarified it at the end, but the, the, the muddy statement at the beginning is all people see sometimes. Senator Vance's new video is quoted as saying, radical activists want to change the Ohio Constitution and strip away parental rights on August 8th. Let's stop them. Well, what does that sound like? If you're a, a, a completely um, disinterested person, what would one think he wants you to do? Let's stop them from stripping away parents' rights on August 8th. That sounds like vote no. God, don't let them strip away parents' rights. That's I'm against that, so I'll vote no. But then he says, vote yes to protect our kids. He's right. But the mud is already there. It's confusing. It's foggy. It's, 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 it's very, very difficult to, to, to kind of ferret that out. Radical act. The problem is the words on August eighth. Radical activists want to change the Ohio Constitution and strip away parents' rights. Period. Don't say that on August eighth because that's that's not true. That happens in November. That's when they're trying to change the Constitution and put abortion in it and put trans rights in it for kids for minors. That's when they're trying to do all of this. We have to oppose that then. In order to oppose that, we need to pass the constitutional threshold increase on August 8th. Vote yes to protect our kids. So that's, it, it's just so, there's just so much confusion about this. Um, and if you have any questions, I mean, seriously, I'll do my very best to answer this. Uh, 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. It's just difficult. I think for people, and this is, you know, there's no way around it. I don't think there was any way to avoid what we are experiencing right now. Um, it was going to have to be this way. We're going to have to have the special election. We're going to have to tell people to vote yes now and no in November and just hope to hell that they can understand it and figure it out. Do not vote no uh, in, November, in, uh, uh, in August. Don't vote no right now. Early voting is underway. As I said, we're, you know, it started on Tuesday. We're in the first week or, in my, my comparison, the first quarter of the football game. We don't want to wait until the two-minute warning, which is what I would call Election Day, August 8th, and then try to make all score all of our points then. Get some points on the board now. Get them in, get in the lead now in the first quarter. That's this week. Or if you vote next week, do it then in the second quarter, and you understand the point, third week, fourth week, before we get to Election Day. And if you have any confusion whatsoever, let's, let's try to fix all of that now. Let's clarify it. We have to vote yes on August 8th or yes right now for the August 8th election. 
Um, Charlie is in uh, Akron. Hey, Charlie, you're on the air. Fire away. Hey, Bob. Um, yeah, I just wanted to let you know, I, I went to uh, early voting yesterday in Summit County on Grant Street, and uh, they it wasn't crowded at all. Um, and so I asked the ladies uh, at the counter, I said, you know, how's the, how's the turnout been? And they said they've been getting about 500 people a day. Um, so, you know, there are a lot of people out early voting already, but, um, as I was leaving, I didn't really encounter anybody until, uh, um, uh, citizens, you know, until I left. And as I was walking to my car, a woman and her, uh, her, uh, adult daughter were going in and I, you know, I just said, Hey, vote yes. And then they, they, they both said, no, vote, no, vote, no. And I'm like, uh-huh. but I didn't, you know, really confirm about it. I just smiled and kept going but um then later i went to uh merriman valley to the republican uh headquarters i was going to get a yard sign and they don't even have any left oh wow well uh, two two things one it's good if they don't have any left that means they probably gave a ton of them out and that's a good thing but bad obviously for people who do want them and to show support uh cannot get them i was just talking to somebody about that yesterday and several hundred more have been brought up i know it's not where you are but uh but had been brought up to cuyahoga county to strongsville they're going to be giving them out at a bunch of the strongsville gop events um going to make them available in a lot of the headquarters as well uh so i know they are being mass produced in columbus and people are going down there to pick them up and 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 and, uh, and pass them out. So, uh, the more information I get on where to get those yard signs, Charlie, I will share that with people um, because it's obviously extraordinarily important. A lot of time. And thank you right. for the call. Thank you for the call, Charlie, and for your experiences early voting. I'm glad you got out there early. Good job, by the way, not starting an argument with those people who said they were voting. No, that's we're not allowed to do that. No one's allowed to do that, particularly at a polling place. But. Uh, uh, to the point about the signs, it is very important uh, to get out there and show your support. I've got one in my front yard because, as I've said before, there is a psychological impact that those kinds of things have that I didn't used to realize in my early political awareness. I didn't really realize that, but there is a strength in numbers, psychological uh, you know, effect that people have. The more they see yes, the more they think I'm not the only one. I'm, I'm with that too. I'm going to support that too. And maybe it also clears up some of the, the confusion or the mud, as I've been saying, uh, over whether or not you're supposed to vote, vote yes or no. If you really truly want to protect Ohio's constitution, you vote yes. If you really truly want to make it more difficult for outside groups to change the constitution with simple 50% majority and only 44 out of the 88 county signatures, you know, then you would vote no. Uh, but that's not the way we're supposed to do this. We do not want to allow it to be easy, easily changed, especially with only half of the state uh, that comes out to vote uh, saying so. Uh, let's go to AC in Cleveland. AC, thanks for waiting. Go ahead. Hello, Bob. Hello. Last Friday you had a guest on, uh, a man by the name of Kurt Schneider, who was talking about taking the rainbow back. Okay? Yes. Now, something I'd like to point out. There's nothing to take back. Let me explain. The rainbow that Kurt wants to take back is a counterfeit rainbow. It only has six colors in it, not seven, like God's rainbow. And I saw this counterfeit rainbow on the collar of one of the their ministers, you know, the rainbow pride. So in his ad, Kurt is saying God's people have come to associate the rainbow with the pride community. No, they haven't. All right? Now, there's a 
quick example. I think you're picking some nits here that don't need to be picked, AC. I mean, nobody's counting the number of colors in the rainbow. The rainbow flag, the rainbow pins, the rainbow everything have indeed they have the the rainbow itself has been co-opted by the uh, the LGBTQ agenda. I don't think anybody's. Co- I never even thought once to count the colors to see whether or not it's the exact same rainbow. The 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 the, the bigger picture here is that's what they're doing when when kids see rainbows. That's what they think of now. Okay. Well, in the Old Testament, when somebody stole something from God, God brought judgment. And so the Philistines stole the Ark of the Covenant, and they put it in their house of worship. Their statue of their god, Dagon, got knocked down, and the Philistines broke out in tumors, and the Philistines realized that was not something to keep. So they put the Ark of the Covenant on a cart and sent it right back to the Israelites. Mm-hmm. Well, no. listen. I don't disagree with you on your point here. The, and, and, and you know the, that part of the point, anyway. They have stolen what used to be a representation of God's covenant with its with His people, the rainbow, and they have taken it and turned it into something else. I've made and thank you, AC, for the call. I've made this point in a lot of speeches that I've been giving as well of late. Uh, you know, particularly during the month of Groom. Um, you know that rainbow color or the rainbow period. Um, used to decorate all of our classrooms when we were in in kindergarten and in first grade because children are comforted by the size the the, uh, the sight of of those bright colors. I mean, it's it makes you feel good mood. It makes you feel happy and so forth. Rainbows were everywhere in our preschool and in our uh, you know younger elementary classrooms. But the difference and they still are today. The difference being then they were a sign of positivity. If you were religious, a sign of God's covenant. And today the sight of the rainbow means, hey, I don't have to be a boy if I don't want to be. Today, the sight of the rainbow means, hey, I don't have to be a girl if I don't want to be. I can change that. Or uh, I, I can, uh, you know, I'm a boy and I can like little boys, or, or other boys, or whatever. They decorate um, sections of their libraries, de- decorate sections of their, of their, their uh, bookshelves in the classrooms with the pornographic literature. The, you know, this book is gay and the, the, the you know, all the other ones that we've talked about. Uh, I don't want to give the, any more publicity to their titles. But they put those books out there, and they put them out front, and they decorate them with rainbows. Why? Because it draws the attention of the kids. The rainbow has been co-opted from being a, 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 a representation of God's covenant with his people to a recruiting tool, to a grooming tool. They chose it for a reason. They could have chosen anything as a representation of the LGBTQ agenda or movement. They chose the rainbow for a reason, because it's attractive to kids. Kids are what they are trying to pull into their, uh, to their uh, whatever it is that you want to call them. Uh, thank you, AC. Rick is in uh, Cleveland next. Hi, Rick. Go ahead. Hey, good morning, uh, Mr. Franz. Happy Friday to you. And to you. Thank you. Uh, I, you know, it's kind of, I want to pose an idea, thought, and a, kind of a question, because I, uh, I think you have a lot of clarity on this. But I heard a, um, I guess you would call it an opposing opinion on issue one, that, which I thought was really pretty compelling. Uh, they were saying that, you know, as a conservative, they said, well, that's fine for now, but what happens when the other side gets into a majority situation? How hard, is, how impossible will it be to get anything blocked? Uh, that might be evil. In other words, put the ball in the, in the other side. 
And, uh, you know, is that actually aiding and abetting the enemy in the long term? I thought about that for a long time, and here's what I came up with. Tell me, shoot, shoot this down, if you will. Okay. You need to. My thinking is that, no, uh, if it takes a 60% supermajority to get a major thing passed or changed in a constitution, that means that regardless of what side is presenting whatever issue or, or, or whatever the subject might, might be, it's going to take a lot of people having to have a lot of discussions, and maybe more good than bad will come out of that. If people absolutely uh, have to go to the go to the mat to get their idea across, uh, maybe in that you're in the long term, it's opening communication rather than shutting it down. Does that make sense? Um, uh, I, I wish I knew how to say that better. Yeah, I, I might ask you to clarify that a little bit more so I can understand your full response right. to it. Um, because there is, before you before you continue, there there is a, a, a valid argument or a few valid points to be made on that other side to be concerned yeah. about what happens when we lose the majority, similar to right. when Harry Reid decided to pull the nuclear, you know, to detonate the nuclear option, if you will, uh, when it comes to confirmation of judges and so forth, mm-hmm. um, because sure. it has changed everything, you know, and he was warned once the Republicans take the majority and they're the ones doing the confirming, all they need is a simple majority now as well. And, uh, yeah. and he might come back, it might come back to bite him someday. And so there is some validity to that, but I do have my own response. Um, but, but I want to hear yours in a little more clarity. How, how, how do you, yeah. how do you address that? Give, give that to yeah, me. Thank again. you. Okay. So my thinking is this. Let's say the other side provokes, uh, proposes something that was just outlandish. Like, you got to be kidding me. Mm-hmm. Well, now they have to sell, you know, not everybody on the left is like this wicked, you know, uh, evil, person yeah a, a lot of them are thinking people but in my opinion a lot of them are thinking wrong right. but if you have an anybody that wants to be reasoned with and and wants to reason out the subject matter that to me is like okay it's kind of forcing the issue you've got to talk about this you've got to you've got to present this in so many ways that you can finally sell that many people even on your own side even the republicans have proven you can't always get as many people uh lined up with your ideas and and uh uh, values that you always want, you know. I mean, we've we've seen that disappointment time and again. So, how is it to say that that would be true for the Democrats as well? Okay. Um, the, so, they're, so, they're uh, so, so in other words, so in other words, if we raise the threshold to sixty percent, it would take a lot more convincing. It would take a lot more arguments yeah, and a lot yeah, more deeper so. discussion yeah. and so yeah. forth to do yeah. it. And and I guess that's true. But 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 here's my response, and it's much more simplistic. And maybe that's because that's how I am. But. Um, I would say the same thing if we lose the majority, uh, and, and, and there's something that the left wing, uh, legislators in Columbus are doing. I would say the same thing to our side that I'm saying to them. If you don't like it, win some freaking elections. We don't change Ohio law by screwing with the Constitution. We change Ohio law at the Ohio law level, at the, the, the place where laws are made. The Ohio revised code is, is, is changed and added to and amended, uh, by the legislature. That's how it's supposed supposed to be. Um, and so what, what I would say is if we somehow lose the majority and they're doing something we don't like, and well, we don't like what they're doing, so let's amend the Constitution. Oh, look, we screwed ourselves. Now we have to get 60% to change it to get what we want here. Boy, I regret having done what we did to save lives, by the way, back in 2023, uh, in August and November of 2023. No, I would instead say we've got to target the, the vulnerable members of the, uh, of the, uh, General Assembly that, that are, uh, responsible 
responsible for these bad laws and change them and fix them and not gripe and complain about uh, gerrymandered districts, which is what they are doing. I tell them now, if you don't like the six-week, or it's not even a six-week law, it's a heartbeat law, it just happens to be around six weeks, if you don't like that, then then work to change the law at the legislative level, going straight to the Constitution, taking out-of-state money from Planned Parenthood and, and all kinds of other horrific leftist, communist, and socialist organizations to change and amend per, forever our founding document of the state of Ohio, our own Constitution, is not how we do that. Change the membership of the General Assembly if you want the laws to be changed. Win some elections. You know, and, and for them to say, well, we can't because of the gerrymandered districts. No, you can't really so much because we happen to be a red pro-life state. There's a reason why in the statewide elections, not just the district elections, but statewide elections for governor and for lieutenant governor and for attorney general and for secretary of state and so on and so forth and treasurer, all of these Republicans are winning. There's a reason why Donald Trump uh, won each of the last two presidential elections by eight points. We happen to be a conservative state. Uh, much more than the left wants to believe. We're not just winning elections in the district level at the, you know, for the represent, representatives and senators because they're gerrymandered. Not at all. It's because we happen to be a very, very conservative state and they don't want to accept that. So for me, long answer to your question here, Rick, uh, I, uh, here's what I would say if we happen to lose the majority. I would say the same thing that, that, because I don't fear that by the way. Um, I would say the same thing to our people that I'm saying to them now. If you don't like the laws, change the laws by changing the lawmakers. That's on you. You don't go screwing with the Constitution every time you decide you're dissatisfied with the current political, uh, the current political climate in the state. That was really helpful. I really appreciate it. Thanks a million. You got it. Thank you, Rick. I appreciate it. I didn't invent that, by the way. That's called, uh, you know, a Republican form of government, not Republican the party, as in a republic. That's why we are not a democracy. If we were a straight, pure democracy, then yeah, you'd say we need to go ahead to go in there and have a citizen-initiated vote or a ballot item, and we have to have a re- referendum. All the people get to vote on every little law that goes into. No, that's not how a republic works. A republic works by hiring people to represent us. That's what we do when we vote for our our district representatives and, and our and our state senators. We are hiring them to go and represent us in Columbus. If they are not representing our best interests in our view, point by point, then we go hire somebody else. Fire them, hire somebody else at the next election. And when the new uh, people get in, then you change the laws, you know, ask them to change the laws as representations of the people uh, by that, by that process. We don't go saying, nope, let's just change it at the constitutional level, uh, which, as I said, can be so easily manipulated by people who have no interest whatsoever in Ohio. They're coming from out of Ohio, outside special interest groups who are wealthy. People are saying, how come I don't see so many pro, uh, pro-issue pro one camp uh, ads on TV? And the answer is, we don't have the money. But we're seeing a lot of anti That's because they got a lot of money. Where's that money coming from? It's not coming from within Ohio, at least not all of it, not most of it. Most of us coming from outside the state trying to tell us how to live here and how to govern ourselves and what our Constitution should look like because it's a part of a much larger national agenda, a left-wing agenda. Why do you think that the left-wing groups, whether they be the Planned Parenthoods and the other abortion mills, whether it be the Democratic Socialists of America, the Communist Party USA, why do you think all the American Federation of Teachers, the NEA, 
I know it's weird to lump our teachers' unions in with those socialist and communist organizations, but they're all on the same side. That's reality. They are. And they are all funneling tons of money to change Ohio because they believe that as Ohio goes, so goes a good portion of the country. There's a massive agenda here that we have to push and fight back against. And we're underfunded in that regard. we got one, and they like to say, hey, you guys have out-of-state money coming in, too. What about Robert Uline? Yeah, what about him? A, a, a billionaire who supports life uh, in Illinois is throwing a few bucks this way, but nowhere near enough to compete. Nowhere near enough. The number of anti-issue one dollars coming in from outside of the state of Ohio compared to what this one particular guy in uh, uh, in Illinois is is donating to the to the plus side uh, is staggering it's not even close and the idea that we should reject that money by the way simply on principle is just a recipe for disaster it would be just like rejecting the idea of early voting now and ballot harvesting where it's been legalized because on principle, we say you should just vote in person uh, uh, on Election Day, and we're not going to early vote, we're not going to vote by mail, we're not going to do harvesting and all that stuff. Let the other side do that. We're going to be principled, and then we're going to be losing. That's exactly what we'd be. It would be the principled thing to say, no, we're not taking any money from anybody unless they're in Ohio to promote these very important issues. But that principled stand would cost us the election, and quite quite literally, when it comes to this particular moment in time, it would cost millions of lives. And I'm talking about the lives of the unborn. It'll also cost us the American nuclear family, too. 957, Always Right Radio, right back. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway now. It's nine minutes past ten o'clock. Thank you so much for being with us. I know there's a lot of people with a lot of questions and a lot of calls waiting on uh, the issues. Uh, involving Issue 1 and the proposed uh, ballot initiative for this November. Uh, but we're going to depart from that. Well, kind of. We're kind of going to depart from that as I bring on our, our, our next guest. But there is a transition here, no pun intended. There is a segue here that actually works. Uh, as you know, the ballot initiative that we're going to have to vote on in November uh, that would codify and enshrine not only abortion into the Ohio Constitution, but also by way of the vague language involving reproductive rights, and with no age uh, restrictions listed, that means minors and children would be able to affect their own reproduction, uh, own, own reproduction and make decisions on that the reproductive systems, by changing their sex. And parents would have no say whatsoever. Uh, literally. That's the, the, deal, the, the, the problem we're dealing with with that particular uh, upcoming ballot initiative in November, and it's why it's so important to vote yes on Issue 1, to raise the threshold to change the Constitution coming up here on August 8th. Now, here's the segue. The transitioning of children is becoming, um, it's becoming an epidemic 
Uh, it is it is a social contagion that is being masked as being uh, natural and biological. And sometimes that uh, your gender uh, the, or the gender of children is something that only they understand and only they recognize, and they are being forced against their will into the gender they've been assigned at birth. I told you that when the month of June ended, Pride Month ended, the agenda would not. And so here we are in July, and we're taking it on. Uh, Dr. Miriam Grossman is a child and adolescent psychiatrist who has written a very important book called Lost in Transnation, A Child Psychiatrist's Guide Out of the Madness. She is working very hard to educate the public and parents, especially about the realities of what their kids are going through and how they've been indoctrinated into this uh, very, very bizarre psychological uh, condition. Dr. Grossman, thank you so much for joining us this morning here in Cleveland, Ohio. How are you? I'm doing great, Bob. Thanks so much for having me, and I loved hearing uh, breaking on your bumper thing there. That was that was really that was really great hearing hearing him. He inspires uh, he inspires us every day. We play him at the top of every hour in some fashion or another of our broadcast. So I'm glad you uh, you got something out of it as well. Please continue. Well, Bob, we're really in a very dire situation in this country where our little kids, preschool kids, even are indoctrinated to think that they may have been born in the wrong body. There is no medical or scientific basis for this idea whatsoever. And what it's leading to is that these kids are, uh, once they get a little bit older and perhaps they hit puberty and they don't like what's going on in their bodies or they're having trouble with their peers at school, they're not accepted, they have anxiety, they're on the autism spectrum, whatever it is, they then turn to that idea and they then think, oh, that's what the issue is with me. I was born in the wrong body. And they come to their parents and say, I'm no longer your son, I'm your daughter. I want you to use this new name and female pronouns and I want you to make an appointment at a gender clinic so that my puberty can be stopped. This is a dangerous path for our children to be on, and I've been seeing these kids and their parents in my private practice now for a few years. And I can tell you that when this happens, it is a catastrophe for the family. Uh, Parents tell me that they are blindsided. They never saw it coming. They don't understand what it means, and they're not sure how to respond. So I wrote this book, and the purpose of this book primarily is to tell parents that they need to trust their gut, that they know their child best, and they should avoid gender experts at all costs. Because once you go to a gender, so-called gender ex- expert, that expert is going to put your child in the driver's seat and is going to tell you, mom and dad, that your child knows best, even if that kid is five years old, your child knows best who they are and what they need. And they're going to, the, the uh, gender specialist is going to instruct you to allow that child to change their appearance, to uh, use the opposite sex bathrooms and uh, locker rooms at school. And if you're not with the program, then you're the problem. And you may be the cause of your child's suicide. 
Well, I'm glad you brought up the word suicide. We'll talk more about that in a moment, though, because the extraordinary rate of suicide among those who do transition and then later in life regret it and they cannot undo it, um, they're killing themselves at, a, at an astronomical rate compared to the general population. We're talking to Dr. Miriam Grossman. Uh, her book is Lost in Transnation, A Child Psychiatrist's Guide Out of the Madness. Um Let's talk about parents and their awareness of these issues. Um, I like to think that everybody in the world listens to my radio show or shows like mine, and they know about this, but they don't. I would like to think, I'm sure you would like to think, everybody is going to read your book. Uh, every parent is going to read your book, but they're not. What, what level of understanding do you think the general population of parents has about this? When you say they're blindsided, they're... People don't listen to programs like this. They don't always watch the news. They don't always read the relevant information on certain websites. So are, are parents largely in the dark about this transing of America movement that has begun? Yes, I would say that, unfortunately, parents are in the dark, not necessarily about all this trans uh, epidemic that's going on. What they're in the dark about is that there is no consensus in the medical field about how best to help these kids. And to the, you see, what's being presented to them by the pediatrician, by the school, and by our government, Health and Human Services, as well as our president, is that there is a consensus and that that consensus says they have to be medicalized, that they, their puberty should be stopped, they should be given the opposite of sex hormones and perhaps even surgery. So parents are being misled and parents have misinformation from institutions that they normally would trust. I mean, who doesn't want to trust your pediatrician or your guidance counselor at school or even, you know, health authorities within our government, the CDC, the HHS? We want to trust these people. But I'm here to say to parents that unfortunately you cannot trust them because they have been captured by this radical ideology, nothing to do with medical science, everything to do with changing society and eliminating male and female categories. How did and that is- progressive ideology, though, when it comes to this, find its way into medicine? Uh, because I was actually going to ask you anyway, are they these medical professionals that are that are that are dedicated to doing this? Are they ideologically driven or profit driven? Because there is a lot of money in the transing of of children uh, by the millions. Oh, there is a lot of money because once a kid is placed on this path, mind you, they are a medical consumer of pharmaceuticals for the rest of their lives, and that's something that is never brought to anyone's attention when we're looking at celebrities, Jazz Jennings, you know, all all these other people that are held up as celebrities and given a lot, a lot of attention, we are never reminded that in order for them to maintain that opposite sex uh, appearance, that persona, that synthetic persona, they have to be on these drugs for the rest of their lives. So, yes, there's a tremendous amount of money involved. So, so, so outside of that, though, outside of the money, let's go back to the ideology for a second here, because, I, I, you know, medical science, you keep saying that word or those words, and you're obviously right about this. What I've never seen in any other psychological condition before outside of gender dysphoria 
and and maybe you can speak to that too. Give us more information on what gender dysphoria really is and how common or not common it is. Um, but there's never been a psychological condition, which is what I consider gender dysphoria to be. It's the mind's inability to reconcile with what the the body is. Um, never have have psychological uh, conditions been treated with physical bodily mutilation. Usually, they're treated with psychotherapy, right? Well, we did have a medical scandal called prefrontal lobotomies. Yeah. In which uh, decades ago, uh, a doctor came up with the idea of treating severely mentally ill people by severing uh, a part of their brain, the prefrontal lobe, by inserting a, uh, well, it looked actually a little bit like an ice pick into the orbit of the eye. And this was done to about 40 or 50,000 people in this country. The guy that invented this procedure was given a Nobel Prize. So, yes, we have a history, a very dark history in psychiatry of doctors coming up with these uh, solutions to problems that, that, that actually harm people. This is called iatrogenic, iatrogenic harm, when medical professionals end up harming their patients instead of helping them. And that is what's going on right now. Now, I, I do. you asked me a question a minute ago, mm-hmm. and that is about the, uh, the medical uh, mainstream medical organizations, such as the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American Medical Association, the American Psychiatric Association, the Endocrine Society, and on and on. What has happened over the years, I explain this in my book, is that... Uh, Small groups of very vocal, aggressive, uh, ideological individuals who have a certain outcome in mind. They have a certain agenda that they want to see the organization move in a certain direction. They, uh, uh, what they do is they take over, they volunteer to be in those committees that are going to write the policy, uh, the, the policy for the organization. For example, the American Academy of Pediatrics, 67,000 members. They came out in 2018 with a policy statement that was just 100%. Put all these kids in the driver's seat. They know who they are better than the adults. Put them on blockers. Put them on cross-sex hormones and give them the operations that they're asking for because there is uh, scientific evidence that indicates all that is helpful. Well, that happens to actually be complete bogus, completely false information. And in fact, uh, uh, just a few days, I think yesterday, yeah, yesterday the Wall Street Journal had an editorial written by 21 experts from outside the United States, from European countries, and they wrote in that editorial what is going on in the United States? What are you doing to your kids? You're saying that all these procedures and these treatments uh, have medical evidence of benefit? That is not true. There is no evidence of long-term benefit. To the contrary, there's evidence of harm. So these organizations, they, the American Academy of Pediatrics, for example, they never had any referendum in which every single member of that organization is asked, what do you think about this new policy that we're going to adopt? 
The opposite. The policy is adopted by this small, this small group of activists. And then they stand up and they say, this is the policy of the entire organization. The members of the organization, the pediatricians that don't agree, the endocrinologists, the psychiatrists that don't agree, are never given a voice. They are silent. They are never given a platform. They are not given the microphone. And that's what's going on. We are talking with Dr. Miriam Grossman. She is a child and adolescent psychiatrist. She is also an author. Her book, which is extraordinarily important for where we are right now, is Lost in Transnation, a child psychiatrist's guide out of this madness. When we talk about the agenda, and you spend a great deal of time on that, what's the end game? What's the goal? We, we often hear about the, this radical agenda, that radical agenda. What is it that the activists who are pushing the agenda want to see at the end of the, uh, at the, end of the journey? They want a new type of society. They want humanity 2.0, in which male and female is eliminated. For what, purpose, for what purpose, Dr. Grossman? What, what, what do they get out of such a thing, such a radical thing? Is it just the satisfaction of the experimental mind? I mean, what is it that they're looking to, why do they want to change? And, and well, you know, cause I, I talked to, I talked to, um, I apologize. I just want to throw this in there because what you described when you say, or what you say when you describe, uh, human beings 2.0 is something that Patrick Wood, uh, has written extensively about, um, and it's called transhumanism. And it's more the merging of technology with the human mind and with human beings and so forth. Uh, but, but it's, it is, it is in the same vein. Uh, as you talk about these individuals, these activists who want to create human beings 2.0. But again, my question always becomes why? What do they get out of this? Is it just a morbid curiosity of what they can come up with, or what is their goal? Well, you know, Bob, you know, as a psychiatrist, I'm focused on families and kids, and my book is focused on families and kids. You're taking this now, of course, you know, we do need to ask these questions from, you know, 30,000 feet. What is this all about? I agree with you that there are transhumanists that are pouring millions and millions, if not billions. I mean, I don't know what the total amount of money is every year that's being put into this, but they are transhumanists. They believe that we, uh, you know, this is like their religion. They have turned away from the Judeo-Christian tradition, and they have, uh, uh, you know, their own ideal, which is to transcend humanity as we know it. Now, Other people speak very articulately on this issue. My focus is on helping parents to avoid getting into a situation with their families, with their children. And I had an email last week from a family in which three kids in one family are now identifying as the opposite sex. Okay, there is a, uh, this is a social hysteria. It spreads among kids. It spreads through uh, through the internet, through social media, through friend groups, through clubs at school. So my book is focused, and I'm sorry that I'm 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 veering away from what you asked me just now about transhumanism. But no, you know you're my, perfect. You're taking this exactly where I wanted you to. Please continue. Okay, so my expertise is on helping parents protect their families. I don't want more people emailing me and other therapists like myself. You know, we have such long waiting lists, we can't possibly take care of all these families. So the point is to be proactive before 
this catastrophe hits your family, and to learn uh, everything that you can about the ideology, uh, so that when you know, so that you can uh, you can immunize, so to speak, your child. And from an early age, you're telling your child your body is perfect. You were a, a boy or a girl the moment that you were conceived. Right. Nine months before you were born, you were either a boy or a girl, and you will always be a boy or a girl. Dr. Grossman, I've got less than four minutes left, so I, I, I want to go back. What you just said is incredibly important, and part of the way of letting parents know the reality here is to talk to them about uh, what the likelihood is that their child is literally suffering from actual gender dysphoria. I mean, there are celebrities out there that are adopting boys, and then by the time they're three, uh, they have made to, they've turned them into girls. What are the odds uh, that 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 children in the same family are are suffering from legitimate and severe diagnosed uh, gender dysphoria? Do you know what the statistics are about the percentage of the general population that suffers from that very 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 rare? condition? Well, let me tell you that when I was in medical school and did my training to be a psychiatrist some 35, 40 years ago, I only read about this in textbooks. None of us ever imagined that we would see even one patient in our entire lives that had this condition that was then called gender identity disorder. That's how rare it was. It occurred in one in tens of thousands or even less. Uh, individuals. It was so rare that 20 years ago, we didn't even have one clinic in the United States to help these kids. 20 years ago, there was a clinic in Toronto and a clinic in the Netherlands. That was it. it and that's today, how rare this condition Right. I apologize. And yes, Dr. Grossman, uh, Abigail Schreier wrote, writes about and has talked about, um, now you've got half of a, of a seventh grade class of teenage girls going to the clinic together. We're all trans. We're all, we're all in the wrong bodies. We're all, we all have gender dysphoria for crying out loud. You never thought you'd see anybody in your life. And now they're going in groups proving the social contagion nature of this and the, uh, and the indoctrination rather than the actual suffering of a, of a psychological condition. Well, Bob, also, when kids come out as transgender or non-binary or one of these other, you know, n- new words that have been created, they get uh, a lot of uh, an, uh, uh, points in terms of their social status. Okay, so you may have a kid who's very anxious and doesn't fit in and doesn't have friends, and when they come out as transgender, they're suddenly the uh, celebrity of their class, of their school. And they have teachers and principals and their peers and all, you know, their guidance counselor all coming out and saying, you are so brave. We support you. And by the way, if your parents don't support you, we're not going to tell them. We're not going to tell them that we're using a new name and pronouns and permitting you to use the boys' bathroom. So this is another element. What's going on in the schools and how they're placing a wedge and undermining parental authority. Parents need to know they have the constitutional right to be in charge of their kids' education. And I have uh, an appendix that's written by brilliant lawyers that will educate uh, parents and give them the tools to protect their kids from all this. Dr. Grossman, I could talk to you for hours and hours, or rather listen to you for hours and hours, but I guess what I'll have to do is settle for reading the rest of the book, and I want everyone else to do the same. Lost in Trans Nation, 
It's spelled just like it sounds. Trans Nation. It's a terrific title. Uh, a child psychiatrist book out, uh, or excuse me, guide out of the madness. That's the book by Dr. Miriam Grossman. You should get it. I'm looking at it right now. It's available on Amazon. It's got a forward, by the way, by Dr. Jordan Peterson, uh, who is simply incredible on this subject and so much more. Dr. Grossman, thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you for writing writing what you've written. I hope we can uh, talk again and continue to educate parents about this uh, growing danger that their children are facing. My pleasure, Bob. Thank, Thank you. you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. All right. Lost in Transnation. Transnation. A child psychiatrist guide out of the madness. It's 1030. We'll take our newscast now. We'll come back. Always right radio after this. Giving you reason in the age of unreason. Always right radio with Bob France and the answer. Okay, 216-901-0945, It is uh, a free-for-all Friday. And uh, we do have another guest coming up, by the way, at 1110, but the next half hour is yours. So let's get together. By the way, I, I want to provide some clarity on something that we talked about at the top of the, uh, top of the show. Uh, and by the way, thank you to Miriam Grossman. If you did not hear Dr. Miriam Grossman last segment, listen uh, to the podcast. It uh, usually gets posted about an hour after the show, around 1 o'clock or so every day. Ch- take a look and take a listen. Uh, Dr. Miriam Grossman was phenomenal. You should also follow her on Twitter at Miriam uh, underscore Grossman, just like it sounds. Miriam underscore Grossman. No strange spellings. Um, at the top of the show, we talked about issue one, and we talked about the messaging on issue one. And that there was an article headlined Vance, quote, uh, Vance colon, quote, radical activists want to change the Ohio Constitution and strip away parental rights on August 8th, end quote. And it is extraordinarily misleading. It makes it sound as though Vance, J.D. Vance, Senator Vance, um, opposes issue one because we want to save and protect parental rights, right? Um, so... It was posted, that article, I should say, was run on the Buckeye Reporter News website, a site that I was not familiar with. I told you that at the top of the show. So I didn't know if it was a left-wing site like the Ohio Capital Journal, which would have intentionally tried to spin the the words of J.D. Vance uh, and try to make it look like he doesn't support issue number one, or if it was a conservative site or neither. I just had no idea, but it was definitely misleading. Well, I have done a lot of work during the commercial breaks and found out the reality of the situation. The Buckeye Reporter is actually a reputable um, news site, which one would argue then means they're conservative, because in my view, conservative news sites don't spin stories the way left-wing uh, and legacy news media does. Uh, so I would call conservative just plain old news, but to the other side, they would call this more conservative news. Anyway, it appears as though they did not have an agenda to try to spin J.D. Vance's words. They're just, they were just did a poor job in this particular case of writing the headline and of using the correct punctuation in the article. What do I mean? Here's what I mean. J.D. Vance is quoted in the article as saying, quote, Radical activists want to change the Ohio Constitution and strip away parental rights on August 8th, Vance said in a new video posted on the Protect Our Kids Ohio YouTube page. Let's stop them. Vote yes to protect our kids. 
they wrote it just horrifically because they did not write the intent of what he said in the video. How do we know? Because the video was found. The video was made available. It's only 15 seconds long. Listen to what J.D. Vance actually says in his message. Oops, hold on a second. Let's make sure everything is right. Here we go. Hi, Senator J.D. Vance here urging you to vote yes on August 8th to protect our kids. Radical activists want to change the Ohio Constitution and strip away parental rights. On August 8th, let's stop them. Vote yes to protect our kids. There's no confusion when you hear it. There's no confusion whatsoever when you listen to what he said. Because what he said was, radical activists want to change the Ohio Constitution and strip away parental rights. That's the end of the sentence. Then he says, on August 8th, let's stop them. Vote yes to protect our kids. They just wrote it poorly without punctuation. They make it sound like he is saying this is happening on August 8th, and we have to stop them by voting no. That's where the confusion comes in. I can't tell you how many people have messaged me about this. But if you click the link to the video, you get clarity. What they should have written in the Buckeye Reporter article is exactly what he said. It wasn't a long quote. Hi, Senator J.D. Vance here urging you to vote yes on August 8th to protect our kids. Could have just stopped there. Senator J.D. Vance urges Ohio voters to vote yes to protect our kids. How about stopping right there? But if you want to continue then continue it correctly. Radical activists want to change the Ohio Constitution and strip away parental rights. On all- Period. Radical activists want to change the Constitution and strip away parental rights. On August 8th, let's stop them. On August 8th, let's stop them. Vote yes to protect our kids. So, so Senator Vance wasn't muddy in his, in his presentation. The article in question was muddy because of the way it was written, which, quite frankly, is very poorly. Now, I will give them credit, because I said this also in hour number one, because the re- that the rest of the article kind of dictates um, the reality of the issue. Those who oppose the issue would certainly never be siding with J.D. Vance. Those who oppose the issue are left-leaning advocacy groups such as Black Lives Matter Cleveland, Black Lives Matter Dayton, Pro-Choice Ohio, Blackout and Proud, the Cleveland Buy Plus Network, Columbus New Liberals, Democrat Socialists of America, New Voices for Reproductive Justice, Ensuring Parole for Incarcerated Citizens, and, yes, the Communist Party of Ohio, The communists, the socialists, the liberals, the racists, the grifters, and oh, by the way, the Ohio Federation of Teachers, your kids' teachers, the ones that Dr. Grossman was just talking about, they all oppose issue one. So again, for the purposes of clarity, if you want to protect your kids and you want to stop radical abortion, you vote yes now, early voting or on August 8th on the day of, to raise the threshold to change the Constitution to 60%, so that when they try to enshrine abortion and transing of children without parental consent in November, when we all vote no, then we can stop it. I hope that makes sense. BJ, 
in North Olmstead. BJ, fire away. Uh, yesterday you had a very interesting program, Bob, and I'd like to relate to something and where my belief lies with, and it's in the Constitution, endowed by our Creator. And I don't think we pay attention to what that really means, endowed by our Creator. That means preserve life, human life. We take other life, like the trees and the plants that we have, but that's a given for us to succeed in living. But when we are endowed by the Creator, which also happens to be in the Constitution and many other places, we're not paying attention to what the Creator gave us, this beautiful planet to live on, and we're not here to be taking lives of our fellow humans just arbitrarily because somebody wants to abort or change their sex. I do believe in the Creator. When I get up in the morning, I look up into the sky, and I thank the Creator for the gift of my life and the gift of living on this beautiful planet. It's fairly recent for me to wake up to that. I don't believe in all the gods, because the Romans had gods and the Greeks had gods. There have been plenty of gods, and the Creator created those gods as well. So I look to the highest possible echelon there is, and that's the Creator of all life all things that live on this beautiful planet and all things that I can see in the sky. And I think we have to become more respectful of this gift of life that we have. And unfortunately, there are people that are willing to change it. There's an element of humanity on this planet that wants to destroy what a boy and a girl is. There's people on this planet that wants to take seniors and put them away when they're too old. It goes on and on with this idea of the destruction of what was created by the creator of all life. For listening, and I would like your thoughts on that perspective of I'm grateful to the Creator for the gift of life. Well, I'll tell you what, BJ. Yeah, thank you for the call. Uh, I'll respond to it very briefly with a very simple uh, uh, statement. I can't remember uh, where it was, but literally within the last two days, my wife and I were talking about something that we had seen on screen somewhere. I think it might have been online, not on TV, but at any rate, they were talking about the ball of fire and how everything floats around this massive ball of fire, and that's the solar system. And uh, it made me think about it. When you talk about the Creator, how could it possibly be accidental that the sun is precisely where it needs to be to sustain life on this planet? In other words, the sun is roughly 90 million miles away from the Earth. If it's 10 miles further away, this planet freezes. If it's 10 miles closer, this planet burns to a crisp. It is precisely where it has to be to provide warmth, growth, light, and survival on this planet. The idea that that was accidental is impossible to grasp. That was done by design, by our creator. He created the universe perfectly and in the same way he created its inhabitants perfectly he created them male and female period that's it because that is how life would grow and flourish that is how we would be fruitful and multiply He created us perfectly, like he created it all perfectly. And for people to go around and take scalpels and say, we're going to change it all, um, yeah, I think you understand my point. Thank you, BJ. J.D. is in Cleveland. J.D., you're on AM 14. 
Oh, Phil, I'm sorry. Phil is next. My apologies. Phil, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Fire away. Good morning, Bob. Every time I turn on the show, time I listen, um, I, I think of 40 different things I want to say <laughs> because it's so provocative. Um, I also rise up in the morning and, and I have the same blessings that I that I uh, respond to. And I could speak for the rest of the day about some of the experiences in my life. But I, I called up specifically to um, say two things. First of all, um, Dr. Grossman, um is, is right on. Uh, we must be near the same age. Uh, we experience the same things. And um, I saw all of this unfold across the country. And unfortunately, um, we are where we are today because of the um, movement towards the left uh, way back in the 60s and 70s and the and the uh, turning the feminist movement into a, a uh, opportunity to change the country uh, from the very inside. Um, what I what I wanted to say, to, especially today, though, is that this issue one is so important. I, I was walking my neighborhood and, and giving people a synthesis of the issues. It's been, been used. The, the propaganda that's out there is so confusing, just like the the mistake that was done before, because it, it seems to be um, when you, you merge them together in a you can you can kind of um, mislead people. Um, the legislature, um, in their wisdom, realized that this um, issue was going to be brought up. I'm sorry, well, to start again, I'll call it a different name. The abortion amendment was going to be brought up in November, and it was bypassing. The legislature, Ohio has one of the, the least restrictive uh, systems for making a constitutional amendment. I don't think there's any state less restrictive where you can bypass the legislature, uh, get a very relatively small number of signatures from only half the counties in the, in the state. And then if it passes by one vote, you've changed the Constitution. No other state has that because... If the Constitution is real, we don't want to change easily. We want it to change with a, a very strong mindset of the entire populace and not some whim and not something that can be bought by um, interests who have a lot of money to spend. And that's what we're facing in November. Consequently, the, the um, legislature and their, I'll call it their wisdom or um, awareness, decided it's ridiculous to be able to pass constitutional amendments this way need to at least raise the bar a little bit and make the vote 60 percent um, at the very minimum uh, they're bypassing legislature they're bypassing all of the other uh, aspects of the government to get these amendments so therefore um, we need to say something uh, we need that we need to raise it up to at least 60 percent instead of 50 percent that would give us an opportunity to fight back a little bit um, because a smart um, advisor to the uh, to, a, to the political movement that wants the abortion and transformation surgeries um, is directing them to do it coming November when nothing is on the ballot, really, and people are not going to be motivated to get there, and they're going to motivate their people. They're going to spend millions and millions and millions of dollars to make Ohio the model for That's the right. uh, country. And That's right. we don't That's want Ohio to be the model. That's They're getting money from all over the country to support this. And Phil, I, I, Phil I want to 
I've got to interrupt you, yep. Earl, because uh, just because of time factors, and you made some great points, and I want to buttress those points with this. Thank you for the call. Um, there was a letter to the editor of a publication, I can't remember which one, um, that I saved. And as a matter of fact, I tweeted, because it is spot on. And you can double-check this, I did, uh, for, for accuracy. But what Phil just said about groups outside of the state of Ohio trying to use Ohio as their model and try to use Ohio as a, a huge step forward in their national agenda, uh, their leftist agenda, this is, this is evidence of that. I want to read this to you. Constitution, a statement of the basic principles and laws of a nation, state, or group that determines the powers and duties of the government and guarantees certain rights to the people in it. Such a document is written with great deliberation and care by people who wish that their organization will be guided by their words for a long time to come. A well-written constitution should not be easy to change without the overwhelming agreement of the people in the organization. There are TV commercials running in Ohio urging a no vote on issue one, sponsored by a group called One Person, One Vote. This group is part of the Fairness Project. The team members of the Fairness Project do not live in Ohio. They reside in Florida, Washington, D.C., Pennsylvania, California, New York, Texas, and Virginia, according to their own website. They are all loyal to the Democrat Party and campaign and raise money to push progressive and liberal policies nationwide, concentrating their efforts in red states, such as reproductive rights, police reform, gun control, and other progressive issues. With all the political weirdness going on around the country, our elected representatives see a need to make our Ohio Constitution more secure from unwanted outside influencers. We should listen to them and vote yes on issue one. To that letter writer to the editor. Can you dig it? And to you, I want you to recognize that. Those urging a no vote on issue one are part of the Fairness Project, a left-wing group pushing progressive policies on red states like Ohio. From outside, from Florida, D.C., Pennsylvania, California, New York, Virginia. This is the reality. That's what they are trying to do. And that's exactly why we should protect Ohio's Constitution from those radical outside groups by voting yes on August 8th. Or, once again, by voting yes on uh, on July 14th. Go to your local Board of Election today. Go tomorrow. Check the hours. Go on Monday. Go early. Get your vote cast so we're not guessing uh, as to whether or not you'll make it there on August 8th. Hour number three is coming up. Stay here on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. They wanna get my This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and KeepingMedicareSimple.com. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis 
didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number three is underway. How about it? It's nine minutes after 11 o'clock on this free-for-all Friday. Thanks for being with us. It's the 14th morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord, 2023. I started the uh, first hour with this, and I'm going to start the third hour with it, just in case he's got uh, the uh, radio on by way of the app uh, in Toledo, where he is doing summer workouts for the Toledo Rockets football team. Uh, I want to say happy birthday to my son, who is 20 years of outstanding, 20 years of outstanding today. Uh, A more proud father I could not be. Uh, Have a great day, my boy. Uh, Have a great workout this morning uh, and celebrate. I can't wait to see you tomorrow. It's going to be a great, great time. 20 years, hard to believe. Uh, My life has changed so very much in those two decades. So thank you and God bless my son, Jared. Um, Okay. So we're going to pivot a little bit away from issue one for a few and uh, all of the ramifications thereof to talk about life and death in another manner because we've been talking about issue one and its impact on codifying abortion potentially in November uh, into the Ohio Constitution, stripping parents of their rights to uh, guide their children who may want to change their sex because they've been indoctrinated, all of those things. Let's talk about life and death in another way now. COVID is not over. If you think COVID is over, and when I say COVID, I'm not talking about the virus. I'm not talking about the pandemic. I'm talking about the mandates that were handed down as a result thereof. I'm talking about required uh, shots uh, potentially for students still wanting to go to Ohio on Ohio campuses. The budget was just passed. Governor Mike DeWine did not strike that down. Uh, it is in that Ohio budget that, yes, schools can still require colleges and universities, private and public students, to take the jab in order to be admitted to spaces on campus. And, in fact, there is still a push for some to try to uh, mandate jabs in the arms of people, depending on uh, uh, the uh, their employers, particularly if they're employers, employees of the government. Uh, mandate jabs, boosters, every year around the time you get your flu shots. Well, is that necessarily a good thing? Uh, obviously not. If you have been following the uh, trail of adverse events, they go from minor to serious to very complex to lethal, fatal And uh, joining us now to talk about that is the president and founder of the Health Freedom Defense Fund, which is a nonprofit seeking to rectify health injustice through education, advocacy, and legal challenges to unjust mandates like these that undermine our health freedoms and human rights. Leslie Manukian joining us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Leslie, thank you for the time this morning. How are you? I'm terrific. And you know what? I have a 20-year-old son as well. Is that right? Wonderful. So, yeah. Happy birthday to your son. Yeah, he's the reason I do what I do. <laughs> you know, same same here. Same exact thing here. I've got a 21-year-old daughter and a 20-year-old son, and they are exactly why I fight for these things the way I do. And, I, and so I'm really, really glad to know that, and I'm glad to have you here to join me in this fight. So tell me, by the way, before we get into some of the specifics, um, you were a business executive. You worked on Wall Street. You were a documentary, uh, award-winning documentary filmmaker. What took you into this avenue of your career, into being a, uh, a health advocate? 
Well, when I worked on Wall Street, I worked at Goldman Sachs, and then I ran Alliance Capital in London, their European growth portfolio management and research businesses. And in that job, um, I interviewed the CEOs of multinational corporations, and I heard these CEOs talk very cavalierly about how they were going to make billions in profit um, on drugs that they knew were going to kill some people. And I was so aghast at these statements that I felt like I had to get the heck out. And so I ultimately, I, I literally re- retired. I was a director, but I just was like, I wasn't even 40 yet. I'd had my son and I just said, you know, I can't do this anymore. This is destroying my soul. I need to leave and play for the right team because I felt like I was playing for the wrong team. And I was also introduced to the whole vaccine controversy around the same time. I didn't know why I was sick at that time, but it turns out that I had had a bunch of vaccine reactions that had made me really sick. And I just learned that there was a controversy, not knowing I was sick, started digging into it. And with that information that I had, that knowledge about how these CEOs had been, it it really made me question what I was being told. And I went and I started digging deeper and I found that there was indeed true justification for the debate, for the controversy, that they're not properly studied, that we don't have, no one's ever looked at all the different ingredients, no one's ever proven what amount of mercury is safe to inject or aluminum, Um, no one's looked at the whole vaccine schedule, no one's looked at how the body processes these things, and I just, when I started learning that and I um, met thousands of people whose children had been injured, Mm -hmm. some killed, I said, I've got to do something about this. And so that was basically the whole impetus behind me making the movie. And then the movie helps me to understand why it's so important that we have health freedom. Because if we don't have the ability, the freedom to choose what we inject into our children, but we have to live with the consequences of it, we're not in a free country, period. We have to live in a free country. We No civilized society would mandate that you take a medical intervention that has the potential to injure or kill you. In fact, I don't think a free or civilized society would mandate any medical intervention because we own our bodies that were given to us by God. Full stop. That's it. End of the story. No bureaucrat, no person in government, no business, no school or university should have that power or authority. So that's why I do what I do. And when COVID happened, I was like, I'm I'm fighting back. I started HFDF. We stopped the mask mandate, if you recall. And um, I'm not going to stop until we have corrected the situation. And every person is free to choose how they live their lives. It's a wonderful backgrounder, and uh, and I'm so glad to get all that information. And I'm glad you and uh, uh, and uh, the Health uh, Freedom Defense Fund were instrumental in getting those max, uh, mask mandates lifted. That's very important. We're talking with Leslie Manuki, and she is the president and founder of HFDF. So, um because we're not just talking about the COVID vax, because you were talking about, you know, the, the schedule of vaccines that children are expected to get, and most parents just kind of willingly comply. I did. I did. 21 years ago, my daughter's born. 20 years ago, uh, when my son was born, yep, go through the routine like everybody else does. Um, so that's there's just what's expected of us. And if you question any of those things, um, you are, of course, uh, derided as being, uh, you know, a, 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 an anti-vaxxer and therefore anti-science and a disbeliever in medical health and so on and so forth. How before we get into the covid aspect of this, how and do a you respond to and a conspiracy theorist? There you go. And a conspiracy theorist. So how, how do you push back against those labels, Leslie, when you do what you do? Well, I mean, <laughs> Listen, those labels are um, deployed for one purpose and one purpose only, and that is to discredit and dehumanize, right? They discredit you 
you're a crazy person, you're all these things. That's all it is. When the truth is that all I do is speak about the science. I did an interview with CBS once, I don't know, four or five, six years ago, 45 minutes on the um, of filming. I just talked about the science. There's this paper, this paper, this paper. And at the end, they just chose one sensational comment. And that was the whole thing that they did. They are using this just to smear us. That's it. And people, I think people are waking up to it and realizing it then when someone is speaking rationally and reasonably and saying, listen, they don't study the health outcomes of vaccinated compared to unvaccinated children. They don't study the entire schedule. That's very reasonable. So all you can do is keep speaking the truth and hoping that people wake up. Ultimately, there's a huge amount of misinformation being released by the government and by health authorities. And you've got to actually look for independent um, sources of information. So I just keep doing what I do, whatever they say, however they much they want to criticize me and all the others. We just keep putting this stuff out there. And the more that this goes on, the, I think that the authorities have shot themselves in the foot. In fact, I think with COVID, they actually jumped the shark because they told people that they were safe and effective, that they were 95% effective when they did not know that. And so there was a poll just done out of Canada two months ago that found that 39% of parents, only 39% of parents today will unquestioningly vaccinate their children. Why? Because they've seen the lies um, dispensed by government in the last three and a half years, and they're not going to take anything at face value anymore. So they have really blown it. They've, I think they have squandered the public trust, and people are asking questions now. And I think that what they've done in the COVID era has actually made my job so much easier because people are now understanding. And now they watch my movie and they're like, oh, I get it. it. It's actually more relevant today. It's called The Greater Good. You can find it at greatergoodmovie.org. And people find it more relevant today than when it first came out in 2011 because now they see it all around them, what we were pointing out. And so we just keep pushing back, Bob. That's what we do. We keep speaking the truth, and people will dig further and ask more questions. And as they do, they their eyes are opened, and I think that it the entire playing field shifts. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, I thought that used to be how science was defined. <laughs> dig, dig a little deeper, ask more questions. You know, science, true science, yearns to be challenged. Prove it wrong if you can. Don't just shut down those who disagree with the findings right out of the gate. That's um, you know That's an amazing thing that has happened here. Uh, so we're talking with Leslie Munukian. Uh, she is the uh, uh, president and founder of the Health Freedom Defense Fund. Let's get specific now on COVID. You called it jumping the shark. The story here that I want to talk about is the CDC and the explanation that they have given for leaving certain diagnosis codes off of Minnesota's death certificates that cite COVID-19 vaccines as a cause of death. Uh, and according to uh, an article in Just the News, allegedly hiding vaccine injuries in federal records showing intent to deceive, according to those who helped uh, analyze the death certificates for the Brownstone Institute. What can you tell us about what's happening in Minnesota and and the goal here of the CDC? Well, let me just say that if we go back three years to the spring of 2020, the CDC mm-hmm. actually changed the methodology for diagnosing diagnosing death and how it was listed on the death certificates. So what John Bowden and these guys, this team have done is more recent looking at the um, Minnesota data. But we need to go back to the beginning, which was in early 2020, when they diverted from almost 20 years of practice and they told coroners and doctors writing death certificates to list COVID as the number one cause of death, even if someone had stage four cancer. 
even if someone had had a history of heart disease, even if someone was in a motorcycle crash, as long as they had a positive test, list that. So this goes back, and this also shows intent in my view, because you don't do that, right? Always they listed the chronic condition as the cause of death, because that was the underlying cause of death, is if COVID was secondary to it, it shouldn't and wouldn't have been listed as the cause of death historically until the spring of 2020 when the CDC instructed everyone to change. Then we jump forward to what's happening in Minnesota. These researchers scoured the database of all the death certificates, and there were there were nine that they found. And some of these certificates, actually, the deaths occurred within hours, one in 10 hours, I think one in eight hours of a COVID shot. But some, the doctors would just write in their notes, it occurred after 10 hours. They didn't actually use the exact code, which says following immunization or viral vaccines, which they should have, but they didn't. And so CDC then goes through and either through its algorithm or manually attributes another code. They literally attributed, uh, contributed, or attributed one of those to a gunshot wound, literally a gunshot wound. They also attribute them to COVID, not to COVID vaccines. So there is a very, very nefarious attempt here to alter the data to make it look like COVID is more deadly and that the shots are not when they know the reverse is the truth. Yeah. And, um, you know, obviously there is a massive, massive, um, and they'll call us conspiracy theorists for, uh, for this, of course, too, but uh, uh, collusion between the pharmaceutical companies. And we know the amounts, or at least generally, the amounts of money that were made by the Pfizer's and the Moderna's and the Johnson & Johnson's of this world uh, in result, uh, as a result of all of this. Um, do you believe that the collusion literally runs... Uh, through the CDC with those pharmaceutical companies and the AMA and the other uh, medical organizations that have been pushing this lie? First of all, the AMA is not a medical organization. It's a trade group, mm. just like a coal association would be, okay? okay? We wouldn't take the coal association's view uh, at face value, right? We would actually dig deeper because we're like, okay, it's a trade group and they have a vested interest. So let's just be very clear. The American Medical Association, the American Academy of Pediatrics are trade groups that take millions of dollars from the pharmaceutical industry and other medical device manufacturers and things like that. We need to set them aside. But where, how far does this extend? This extends further than any of us can possibly imagine. Um, it extends into the Department of Defense. It extends into the executive branch. All of the censorship, um, it's now come out that there was a new email that was just unredacted that Fauci actually writes that he knew that the Wuhan University and Institute of Virology were doing gain-of-function research. Literally, this is the new stuff that's coming out. This spreads through universities. We're taking millions of dollars from NIH and um, federal agencies doling out funds for um, research and science, supposedly. It's, so it's it's science, it's um, hospitals, universities, the federal government, all branches. There is a, um, if you look at the people who work at the CDC, NIH, FDA, more than half of the drug approver salaries at FDA come directly from the pharmaceutical industry's user fees that they pay to FDA. More than half, 65%. Wow. You look at CDC, many of the people who sit on the different um, advisory panels, like the it's called the um, Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, and they're the ones who decide what will and won't be on the vaccine schedule. 
Those people have conflicts of interest waivers. They have direct ties to the vaccine makers, and it's just overlooked. It's just said, well, we'll just sign a waiver every year. Um, There is so much corruption and so much, there is such a huge revolving door that, quite frankly, I don't think we can trust anybody who comes from a, um, from these, you know, anything that emanates from these federal agencies anymore. It's not just those, it's also EPA and elsewhere, you know. I have two, I have two quick follow-ups here because we're a little short on time, Leslie Minukian, but, um, None of the agencies or organizations that you just mentioned raised my eyebrows until you said Department of Defense. What's DOD have to do with this? <laughs> well, do you remember when President Trump stood up there and said that Operation Warp Speed is going to be a joint mission? He enlisted the Department of Defense because of their capabilities at handling or conducting these major um, operations. DOD oversaw the entire operation, and some researchers are arguing that Pfizer and Moderna weren't actually the ones even manufacturing, but it was DOD contractors who were. There's This is not something that I can really unpack in, in two minutes, even in, in 30 seconds or two Understood. minutes. Um, but it's a, basically the DOD was involved. There's a specific language in some statute that says that there's um, – a an exception where they can take control and do things without oversight as long as they can justify that there may be a benefit to a product. And that's what happened. Well, so I think this is one of the reasons why we're having such a hard time getting to the truth as well, because DOD is involved. Yeah. And, and that's understandable. And, and the last follow-up, Leslie Minuki, and, and I really appreciate your time is you, you started our conversation with talking about March of 2020 when they changed the definitions, uh, uh, of, of, um, of death and, 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 and how they code it and so forth. But they also changed the definition of the CDC of vaccine at that time and vaccination. You know, a vaccine used to be defined on the CDC website as, uh, you know, a, a preventative, uh, a medication that, that will literally, uh, inoculate you from getting Getting uh, a particular virus or being infected by some virus, uh, then they had to change it to well, it doesn't uh, it doesn't prevent you or inoculate you; it just lessens the symptoms. They it seems like they were very much out ahead of what they knew was coming, um, and that's why they changed the definition of of, of all of these things. I, I don't again, I don't want to sit here and play conspiratorial games, but but isn't it interesting that very very early on they knew that this was not going to inoculate you? It wasn't going to quote unquote vaccinate you to the point where you won't get COVID, despite the media campaign that said that it would. Yeah, they they changed the di- they changed the diagnostic criteria. They changed the definition of immunity. Mm-hmm. They changed the definition of vaccine and vaccination. Mm-hmm. Give me another explanation. Then they knew what was going on. But also, you have to really understand that we knew from the very beginning. Pfizer has admitted this that they never ever studied whether or not this stopped infection or transmission. They knew that. They never studied it for that. They studied it to see whether or not you got a positive PCR test. And a PCR test is not even a diagnostic test. It's just a mechanism, a method for um, amplifying genetic material. But that was misused. I mean, from the very beginning, they were... I'm sorry, but they were dishonest. Well, yeah, there when they changed people, the, th- the cycle I, threshold on the PCR test, you know, they could they could they could create any kind of results that they wanted. And and the the other aspect of this is the political part. 
because you you, you talked about uh, you talked about a lot of different individuals and different agencies when this was being rolled out and when quote unquote Operation Warp Speed was put forth and President Trump was behind all of that. Um, there's video right now, video and audio of Joe Biden and, and Kamala Harris and, and and virtually everybody saying, "Are you going to take that vaccine? I'm not going to touch that. No way. I don't trust it. It hasn't been tested." Then as soon as they won or took the White House, however you view that, suddenly it's, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely, this is safe, it is tested, it is, it is, uh, you know, 100% uh, 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 eth- efficacy, uh, it's safe and it's effective. Uh, they changed it automatically. So again, it just kind of makes you wonder, what are they, what science are they actually following here, or is it just political science? It's totally political science, let's be honest. I mean, Fauci was flip-flopping on masks as early as March, you know, telling people personally in uh, behind closed doors, well, first he said publicly on, um, oh my gosh, 60 Minutes, hey, uh, you know, don't don't get don't wear a mask in the middle of a of a pandemic. There's no point in wearing a mask; it doesn't do anything. He said that, and then weeks later he's saying, no, 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 you should wear a mask. And then, but privately he's telling friends, don't wear masks because they don't do anything. And the same thing on the cycle threshold and all these things. It's pure. It's clearly political. The fact that they, there was no mask mandate until. Um, Biden took office. The fact that they flip-flopped, like you say, they were all terrified. They said they would never get a shot that Trump, you know, promoted or created. And and then you were a grandma killer if you didn't get it, right? I mean, this is just, this is actually high-level psychological warfare against the populace. That's what's really happening. They knew exactly what they were doing, and they know that people aren't People aren't paying as close attention as you and I are to this. And so people fall prey to this kind of manipulation and they think, oh, gosh, you know, Kamala's telling us to get it and the president's telling us and the CDC and I trust the CDC and I'll just do it. And it's because they just repeated it over and over and over again. Flatten the curve, you know, two weeks. Don't be a grandma killer. It's a small ask. Wear a mask. All these things. It's all part of a massive operation to manipulate the public into a desired outcome. And that outcome is compliance. It is Bingo. submission to the state. It, it is stop. It is a psyop. I think a lot of people have phrased it that way. It is indeed a psychological operation, and it is intended to do exactly that, to get the people, let's see exactly what we can coerce people into, into doing so that they will always comply without questioning anything. I think that's spot on. Leslie Mnookin is the president and founder of the Health Freedom Defense Fund. That website is healthfreedomdefense.org. Uh, can you give me the... Uh, the uh, uh, movie uh, website again, please. Greatergoodmovie.org. Greatergoodmovie.org. Leslie Manukian. Nope. Greater Good Movie. I'm sorry, I said it wrong. Greatergoodmovie.org. Greatergoodmovie.org. Uh, Leslie Manukian, President and Founder, thank you so much for uh, all of the work that you're doing. Uh, obviously, it's not over, it's an ongoing battle, so we certainly appreciate your leadership in that, and thank you for sharing with us. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. God, God bless you. GreaterGoodMovie.org, GreaterGoodMovie.org. We will be back after this. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by KeepingMedicareSimple.com and The Floor King. Just got a uh, text message from a friend. Uh, said, all my life I've heard the left telling us how evil and sinister Big Pharma is. So I guess they had an epiphany. Yeah, right? Because it's the left that is championing Big Pharma and trying to force uh, these dangerous and untested and unproven uh, drug cocktails upon us. 
I call them poison darts because that's exactly what they're sticking in your arm. Um, let's go to the phones. Joe in Westlake wants to comment on the uh, interview with Leslie Manuki. And hi, Joe, go ahead. Hi, Bob. Thanks for a great interview. She asked a key question and gave the key answer. Why did this happen? It's because the state and the oligarchy want compliance. Compliance, yeah. Co- compliance to the biosecurity state, which is the I- idea that the government's going to control us uh, through biomedical uh, processes, and that's how, how they're going to wage war. In addition to that, Ed Dowd and Catherine Austin Fitz have further offered an explanation in that they use this to justify financial transfer before a known economic collapse would happen. You can see their videos on Rumble, Edward Dowd, Catherine Austin Fitz. And I'd also like to finally add, there was another component, I believe, that uh, the evidence has shown this. They were looking to decrease the population through lowering our birth rate and uh, putting a cap on uh, lifespan. The fact that the general death rate is up 20% shows that. I don't think that was the main purpose, but I think that was a, a partial experiment, as shown by the varying dose levels in the shot. Thanks. Very interesting. Thank you for the call and uh, for the uh, heads up to on Catherine Austin Fitz. I'm familiar with her uh, and also Dowd. I, I will uh, follow up on that, too. Um, I think what uh, Joe just said is true, too, um, about compliance with biomedical uh, you know biomedical control but it's beyond that i would probably take it further it's just straight up compliance government tells you what's good for you you do it without questioning look at how many and this is why the narrative is how many millions hundreds of millions of lives were saved by the government's quick action uh, in response to that global pandemic by and you know and this is i don't want to do the political thing here but this is one of the problems that i have with president trump is he continues now three years on to champion those shots and operation warp speed Operation Warp Speed turned out to be one of the most dangerous and deadly endeavors that we have undertaken. But he himself continues to say he is personally responsible for saving 100 million lives because we got those shots ready to go. Those shots were absolutely untested. Those shots are absolutely uh, uh, controversial in terms of, or controvertible is maybe a better way to say it, uh, in terms of their effectiveness. Um, and But the goal was, and the narrative is, and the public messaging is, those shots saved hundreds of millions of lives. And so look what the government did. Next time, don't be questioning the government. Don't. When they tell you it's safe and effective, you believe them. If they believe, if you believe them when it comes to matters of life and death on a deadly pathogen like COVID-19, well, then you will believe them when they tell you this is the next step you have to take. This is the next thing that we all have to do without questioning it or thinking or, 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 or uh, complicating the matter. Just trust your government. It is about compliance. It is about control. There's no doubt in my mind. So thank you, Joe, for that. Uh, Earl, this is Earl Martin in Avon Lake, a former state representative. Hi, Earl. How are you? I'm doing fine, Bob. Uh, former. Former state representative. Former. Yeah, I thought I said former. Right. I, I hope okay. I said former. Maybe, maybe, maybe I didn't. I thought I did. But anyway, good yeah. to have you, sir. How, what's on your mind? Well, thanks. I just I just wanted to uh, contribute to your, your uh, idea in regards to the limiting of people's ability to uh, vote or what the no one issue one people keep saying is that yeah. you know one person one vote well the the constitution gives the the power to the people for initiative and for a referendum petition 
and that hasn't changed. That's still in there. It's the only thing that's being amended with a yes vote on issue one is that we're protecting the Constitution with the 60% majority. So they still have the right. They can initiate a petition, and this happened when I was down there, where mm-hmm. they uh, a group got only 3% of the electorate, so it's a limited number, about 120,000 signatures, and they can give to the Secretary of State a law that they want the General Assembly to consider for passing or, or not passing. And then if the General Assembly doesn't, then it goes to the ballot with, with, with some additional petition signatures. So the, the power of the people is still there to initiate a petition for legislation, or they can referendum. It does anything that the State Assembly does that's not uh, related to an emergency measure. And right now, the State Assembly, they can't pass anything with an emergency member unless they have six, two-thirds votes from each chamber. And they have to cite why they're doing this on emergency. So the power of the people to initiate legislation, to remove legislation, is still in the Constitution. And I don't know why it's not being talked about more, because... Well, the reason no that the reason those who oppose this uh, issue one is because they they would still say the same thing that even if we initiate the petition in the legislature, the legislators are all Republican because of gerrymandering, and we can't trust them. That's why we have to go to the Constitution. That's what they will say. Earl, thank you for the call. We're out of time. Everyone, have a great, safe weekend. We'll see you Monday. Bye bye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.